contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey, welcome back, boys and girls. Got another edition for you, the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. We just had the NFL draft, number one pick in the draft, Baker Mayfield. I saw that his agent was not one of the bigger agents and certainly someone you wouldn't think the number one pick would go with. You think of the big firms that are getting all the top quarterbacks. Well, Baker went with a small-time agent named Jack Mills. When I say small-time, I certainly don't mean not well-known. He's been in the business 40-something years had the Heisman Trophy winner at Oklahoma 40-something years ago, I think 48 years ago in Steve Owens, and now has the one in 2017 in Baker Mayfield. Tom Mills talks about how he got Baker Mayfield. This amazing story you'll hear at a restaurant in L.A. just for the first time, even before dinner was ordered. He had him as a client. Talks about Baker's experience with other agents, talks about how teams were just sort of enamored with him going into the draft. He felt like uh, the Broncos would take him at five, the Jets would take him at three, and of course the Browns, even though he didn't know. And then uh, listen for a surprise team that was trying to get into number two. You will be shocked, perhaps, as to which team that was. So enjoy it ahead, a long-form podcast all about the representation of Baker Mayfield, the industry, the teams getting in position to draft him, including that surprise team. Enjoy this podcast with veteran agent and agent to Baker Mayfield, Jack Mills. You know, the agent business is uh, seems to be dominated these days, especially at the top of the draft by... CAAs and Athletes First and Lagarde Array, and they're getting 10, 20 clients in the draft. Well, top of the draft is Jack Mills with Baker Mayfield. Jack, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be on. <laughs> you know, you and I have known each other a long time. When I entered the agent business, 1986, and you were up and running for quite a while, weren't you? Yeah, I had... <laughs> I hate to admit it, but I was getting started in the late sixties. Wow. I, uh, I came to Boulder in 65 and worked for a year with Eddie Crowder at the university of Colorado. That's how I got to Boulder. And then I think, then I went into law practice in 66 and I believe 67 was the first time I had a couple of NFL players. I saw something uh, where you had Steve Owens, who won the Heisman in 1969. Mm-hmm. And this kid we're going to talk about named Mayfield won it in 2017. What is, my math tells me that's 48 years. Yes. Yeah, that 48-year <laughs> gap there between Oklahoma Heisman winners. I had a couple of others in the meantime, but uh, I had George Rogers and uh, mm-hmm. Rashawn Salam. But... Um, yeah, for OU, it took me 48 years to get another one. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, I mean, I want to get to Mayfield, but tell us, so many people want to be agents, and, and I, you know, sometimes I try to disabuse them of that notion that so many people ask me about it. But the sustainability of your practice is amazing. Just how, how in this sort of cutthroat world of agencies, and without having a big operation, how have you stayed stayed consistent, stayed relevant, stayed in the business? Well, it hasn't been easy. Uh, I'd say we did it the hard way. And uh, in all honesty, Andrew, I probably wouldn't still be in it if my son Tom wasn't working with me. Um, 
because I, I doubt if I could <clears throat> get out there and get uh, enough players to make it worthwhile or want to, you know, right. because it is a, it is a, it's a difficult business and, uh, um, it's, 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 it, it's hard to explain it because you know it. At one point, in the prime time of my career, I had seventy-two guys by myself, mm. and today, and of course, guys weren't making all that much money then. When I had uh, <clears throat> number ones in nineteen seventy, which was when Steve Owens was was drafted, uh, they all started at twenty-five thousand dollars salary. So, you know, you couldn't make a living at it then. But uh, I just kept my law practice going uh, right along with trying to represent players. I never wanted to get totally dependent on it. But then for about the last 20 years, I would say that's all we've done. And I had a golfer named Hale Irwin mm -hmm. that became a really became one of the all-time greats. And he was a very uh, – whereas your football players are going to last <clears> – <throat> From about five to ten years, if you're lucky, you might get an offensive lineman that will go, you know, 13 or 14. But but Hale was the one client that <clears throat> was there for, you know, for almost the entire time. He's still playing some on the senior tour, on the champions tour, but he's not uh, he's not he's not making any money to speak of now. But uh, yeah, we just kind of kept it small, and, you know, you've been in the business, so, right. you know, you've got to keep your overhead under control. It can get away from you pretty fast if you start spending too much money chasing around and, you know, recruiting players and traveling and paying for this and that. It can get, get away from you pretty quickly. So we just tried to really keep our overhead under control and not get too far out, uh, with our commitments and uh and we had you know we had years where we'd have some good players and years we'd have nobody so mm -hmm. it's it's hard to make it level out over a period of time tell tell me and our listeners how you did get in the business you mentioned you're a lawyer and back in the day when we were talking about Mm -hmm. Agency wasn't a, you know, there weren't a lot of agents. There weren't a lot of no, people there getting weren't. in this business and a lot of people trying to get in this business like there are now. Yeah, way back when I got started, there was no way to get to to gain entry, really. Yeah. I mean, today, as you know, the uh, the major sports unions control the business of the agents in those respective team sports. Back then, there was no there was no control by the union, and so you just had to uh, say, "Hey, uh, you're going to be a pro. I'd like to represent you." And there was no certification process or anything. But but I, when I came to Colorado, like I said, I, I worked for Eddie Crowder, who was the head football coach. I'd I'd gone to law school. I had been in the military for two years. Then Crowder hired me to come here, and just as part of my law practice. I decided it'd be kind of fun to do this, and and so I got started. Not like you said, very few people were doing it. For one, there was it was hard to figure out how to do it, and two, there was no money really to be made right. because of what the players were making. And uh, so I just gradually kept it going as part of my law practice over the years, and uh, you know it got to where you could actually make a living at it if you got enough good players. But it's, um, and you've been in the business, so you know it's, 
it's mainly about recruiting. You mm-hmm. know, young people ask me all the time about how to do it, and I tell them, you know, to to get certified by the union of the sport that they think they want to work in and uh, then see if they can get some clients. And if they can get some clients, they can make it. If they can't, they won't. It's just it's kind of simple that uh, it's the lifeblood of the system. It's sort of like college recruiting. If you can recruit, you may, you can probably be a successful coach. If you can't recruit, well, you probably won't be doing it very long. Yeah, it is the lifeblood of the business. And, you know, speaking of that, I think people can tell by your kind of, um, if you'll excuse me for saying, kind of homespun accent. <laughs> that uh, mm-hmm. That's all right. That, that's that's part okay. of the, that probably is part of your sell and, and recruiting and part of the uh, pitch that you have is a very family-oriented. You talk about Tom, your son I know well, being with you. And you talk about a smaller operation. I'm sure the bigger operations sell their cloud and their contacts and all their big names. So take us inside, not necessarily for Baker, but in terms of what your pitch is when you recruit. And as we know, that the business is getting more consolidated all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first thing to find out is if, well, you, you need to talk a little bit about just the need for representation in the National Football League. Now, as you know, right. the rookie contracts are quite different from when you were doing them right. as as a player rep and then and then for the Packers. Right. Uh, there's very little to negotiate uh, for these rookies. So uh, just being upfront and honest, you need to tell people that you're not going to make a big difference in what they get. Once they get drafted, it's going to be pretty well determine but i think uh like the mayfields they they were the dad is a successful businessman they're pretty knowledgeable people i told them right up front that what we could do or couldn't do and uh and this let them decide uh, there wasn't much in, in that particular situation and uh but the very first thing i asked them and this was the, the key question was are you interested in a big agency if you if you want to be to have representation and he right off the bat said we do not want a big agency why not they just said they wanted a more personal touch they just just didn't want to be one of you know mm-hmm. 100 or you know 50 to 100 guys and uh so that right away kept us in the game and uh and it's the same with any of these people. And, and, and you know, some people want, uh, they want to know, you know, how much you're going to pay me, what kind of stipend I'm going to get, mm-hmm. what kind of training are you going to provide for right. me. Uh, Videos. You know, can movies. you loan me money? Can right. you do this? Uh, some people now, and you've probably heard this term, some people offer what they call marketing guarantees right. where they're, fronting a lot of money to these top players and that's over our head we 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 don't get into that uh you know if they're if they're marketable they're going to get their marketing if they're not they're not and so uh and in football it's pretty speculative what a player is going to get marketing wise unless he is is maybe you know top of the first round or something so so we just we just try to keep it simple and say this is what we can do. This is not this is we're not going to make a huge difference in your draft. 
I do think that that who a player selects to represent him makes a statement about himself. Right. And so I think that that in some ways it can be positive uh, if you line up with certain people. And I think it can be a negative if you line up with some that aren't that well regarded uh, in the in the league. And so I, I think it's in, important, you know, who you associate with. I will echo that, Jack. Certainly when I, you know, when we had all these agents representing Packers, it was so clear to me that the agent represented the player as much as the player represented the agent. And I would look mm-hmm. at some players and, and then look up the agent. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. In a yeah. good or bad or indifferent way, I'd just say, okay, yeah, I can see those two being together. So you're right. It, it really is a matchup. Um, and on Baker, let's let's go to that. When you got the meeting, first of all, you know, a top pick – and at that point, I'm sure no one knew if he was going to be 1 or 5 or 10 or 15. But the barriers to entry for those meetings are tough. It seems like a lot of those guys just meet with the ones I mentioned, the CAAs or athletes first. Right. And, and right. So tell us how you even got to the point where you're in the game with someone like Baker Mayfield. Yeah, well... I was an. I'm a University of Oklahoma graduate, and mm-hmm. um, okay, and they and I've had a number of players there, and um, two in particular were were acquainted with the Mayfield family. Steve Owens, who was a Heisman Trophy winner mm-hmm. back in 1969, and a first round pick in '70, and his younger brother Tinker Owens was also a client, and Tinker had gotten to be really good friends with the dad uh, through various contacts that they had. They both live in Norman and are around the program quite a bit. And then we had another client named Blake Bell, who was a quarterback at OU and was converted to a tight end. He's now on the roster with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, But he was a big uh, quarterback there and a real good friend of Bakers, and they were the ones that really kind of set the stage for us just based on saying, hey, you guys should talk to Jack and Tom if Mm -hmm. if you're going to get serious about an agent. And so at one point there, Tinker set up a phone call for me with the dad. And and so the dad and I started having – we might have had three or four phone conversations during the season and they put everything on hold. They, they were not, to my knowledge, they were not having any meetings with agents during the season. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, we prefer it that way. We really don't want to bother these guys during the season. Right. We might see them before the season, but we did not, you're not going to believe this one, Andrew, but we did not meet Baker until two weeks after the Rose Bowl, where they lost the game to Georgia. We, frankly, the dad said, well, uh, you guys uh, probably ought to get get out there to meet Baker. He'd stayed in California after the Rose Bowl and did his training out there. He was already lined up with a personal trainer before we ever met. But Tom and I went out there, went to dinner, and, and this is mid-January? This is January 15th. Okay. And we're sitting there at the table, and I just said, Hey, uh, Baker, wh- where does this thing stand? I mean, what do we need to do to to get this thing done if, if you're interested in doing it? He said, Well, I'm ready to sign. 
So based yeah, on the one been, dinner, now who was at this one dinner? One dinner, we've never seen him before, never, never talked to him, never had a phone conversation. We, we had a phone conversation to set up where we were going to meet for dinner. That was the first time we'd ever even talked to him. You tell us where that is. What's that? Tell us what restaurant that was. Yeah, he just it was called the Big Red O. It was a Mexican restaurant in uh, West Hollywood. <laughs> Big Red and, O, that makes sense. I mean, and and, and you, you know, I mean, normally you think, well, we're going to go to the Capitol Grill or something. You know, we're going to pick yeah. some some fancy place yeah, where we're going to spend yeah. three or four hundred dollars having <laughs> dinner. And he picked this restaurant, Mexican restaurant, and it was a very good restaurant, but it wasn't some high end place. So, so I think you're getting the picture here. We we were pretty darn lucky, but it was just it was just straightforward. There was no, you know, uh, what are you going to do for me? That it was like getting to know each my, other. Most of my friends are signed. I want to get this over with. <laughs> so wait, you're at. <laughs> You meet with the number one pick in the draft at the Big Red O. And, yeah. Yeah. And sort of at the end of the meal, you say, hey, yeah, you know, when you it's think we, you might know. We met, before we had the meet, before we even got dinner, we we just sat down and, and Tom had gone to the bathroom. And I said, and that's when I said, well, what do we need to do here? And he said, well, I'm ready to sign. <laughs> he just felt comfortable. He just felt yeah, like. And it was, yeah, it was like. My dad likes you, and uh, and Tinker and Steve like you, and Blake Bell likes you, and I'm, you know, I don't need to mess around with this. <laughs> yeah, you're so pre-qualified. I, yeah, so, you know, let's do it. So <laughs> Tom came back, and we we signed, and then we got some dinner. Now, did he meet other agents at all? I don't know uh, okay. if he actually met anybody. Um uh, there's a thing online you can look at it if you want to. It's called BehindBaker.com, and they mm-hmm. had this this film production company from right, Hollywood right. wanted to do this documentary, and so they put on this thing. And I'm not telling you anything you can't see online, but but online it's, it it shows he's having a phone conversation with Bus Cook. Uh-huh. Who you know and yeah, I know no is well, represented sure. a lot of quarterbacks and represented Brett Favre and right. and Bus asked him when did Bob Stoops uh, start recruiting you and the story of what happened is that Bob Stoops didn't even know that Baker had enrolled at OU he transferred from Texas Tech mm. where he had walked on and they didn't give him a scholarship so he left. Right. And he went to OU and enrolled, and then he went into Bob Stoops' office and said, "Hey, I just transferred to OU. Can I come out for football?" <laughs> and 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 so he said, "I think he kind of hung up on Bus and said, if he didn't know that I wasn't recruited, I don't need to talk to him." Yeah, it was interesting because speaking of Bus, he did that uh, that recreation of the Brett Favre photo yeah, uh, on did. Twitter the other Wasn't day. Well, the cool? day of the draft, yeah. It was. I mean, we didn't know they were doing that, but it was pretty clever. That yeah, was, it was. His marketing, his marketing people came up with that. <laughs> and they're a young couple, just a couple of young people that have really worked hard and done. They've done real well. They've we've been happy to work with them. But and, they were on site before we were. He, they'd already hooked up with him before we got involved. So you're purely so you're purely contract football. He's got yeah. his marketing side, and he had that yeah. as you said all before you got involved. 
Yeah, that's all. We're we're just doing the contract side of it. Now, when you talk to them about what you did and and contract, you talk about exactly what everyone knows, what you and I just talked about, that there's not a lot to be done on the contract because of the CBA pre-negotiating this. And, I mean, does does he ask about fees for that? I mean, how how deep did you get into the contract negotiation? Well, what we did, we showed him... Um, we had printed up or we had printed up a list of last year's first round signings right and we didn't have the names on it we just had the amounts 1 through 32 right and the total amount and the amount of the guarantee and we just showed him how the system worked in that respect that it was going to be slotted and everybody was going to make a little bit less than the guy in front of them and and so, you know, we we showed him that, and he drew a line right there. He, he drew a line at five, and he said, I'm not going below this line. And we said, fine, because that was the Broncos, and we knew the Broncos liked him. And I think they would have drafted him if he'd have been available. This was at Later the dinner on, back in January, he said that. This is at the dinner. Wow. Yeah, this is at the dinner. We just showed him that. We said, you know, this is what happens is, you know, and this year's numbers are going to be a little bit higher right. than last year's numbers. We don't know how much, but they're going to be a little bit higher. And, um, and yeah, we talked a little bit about fee, but we just told him that, uh, you know, what most people were doing now and what we, you know, we never, you know, you've the business. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't know what other guys are signing for. We know we hear stories, but, uh, the percentages, you know, they can we can charge up to three percent right. under the NFLPA's guidelines or rules, but nobody's, to my knowledge, is is getting three percent right. the way this, the contracts are structured now. Right. So, so you know, we we did not get three percent. We didn't even ask for three percent. Right. But we're not doing it for free. Another player we we talked to said something like. Well, I heard you were doing Mayfields for free, and we said, "No, we're not." Mm. I said, "I said, I said we may have done some for free, but it wasn't by design. <laughs> it was because we didn't get paid." Right? Yeah, that's another part of the Asian business that I don't yeah. miss is the yeah. collection part. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at that time. Um, I think if you could take us sort of inside going from wherever he was rated in that day in January where he said he's not going below five to coming up to the Browns, did you have a sense then and then, you know, when you're retained, you start talking to teams before we even get to to Dorsey and the Browns that, you know, you've got a guy that's going to go high. You've got a guy that if things break right, could be top five, but maybe not, yeah. and all those kind of things? Yeah, we did. You know, we went down <clears throat> to the Senior Bowl, right. and the Broncos were coaching him down there, and they had specifically asked for him mm. to be on their team. And he he wasn't all that excited about playing, but he had committed to play. And so, really, Andrew, what they, they told him, come on down, you don't have to play in the game, but mm. we want you there for the practices. And then when it came time for the game, well, they put pressure on him to at least 
do two or three series, which he agreed to do, and he did. Mm-hmm. But it was like, we don't want to look bad because, you know, people think you're going to be you're the Heisman Trophy winner, and people think you're going to be playing and everything. But I, I we talked a lot to the scouts and the coaches down there, and we talked to the, you know, we know the Bronco guys real well, and we were talking to right. uh, Matt Russell and Elway, and we've talked some to Vance Joseph, the coach, and they all really liked him. So we felt pretty good about the Broncos. They were probably going to take a quarterback. Then, as you know, later they signed Case Keenum, and so that pretty well, at least what we think, he'll be be their starter this year. So they weren't looking for something. And and actually, ideally, and I'm sure you'll agree, it's not exactly the greatest thing for a guy to have to start his rookie year anyway. Right. But – you know, we he'll probably want to just knowing him, but but we we weren't necessarily looking for somebody to you know he'll be starting his rookie year. But then, as as teams, um, then they had the pro day, and then you know he had some private workouts, and we just started, and and we were getting some strong feedback on his intelligence. People were. When they were doing the whiteboard with him, and mm-hmm. when they were giving him some, not the Wonder League, but some other intelligence tests, they were coming back, wow, man, this guy is sharp. And so, <clears throat> and people were really just raving about the interviews they had with him. So we're starting to think, wow, maybe, you know, maybe this is going to be up there in that top five. And then we pretty much, after the Jets worked him out, he, he, told us he said i don't know what people usually tell players but he said man if they're if they're being straight with me they act like they're going to draft me the jets the jets and we Mm -hmm. told him we said well yeah don't you know we hear a lot of things heard a lot of things and i said don't don't there's these these coaches sometimes don't know what they're going to do in the draft. They they may want you, but they may not get you. <clears throat> but when he visited the Jets, they pretty much said, "You're our guy hmm. if you're there." Right. And but but the Browns never did tip their hand ever. What did they say to him after meeting with him? Well, they didn't say you're our guy. They they. I don't know what they said, but they, yeah. they they liked him, and and Darcy never contacted us, and we've known John for a long time, you know, right. since he was back when he was with the Packers way back, uh, right. being a scout, uh, and we just he just never tipped his hand, and even until the day of the draft, and I know Adam Schefter came out, I think it was Friday before uh, the weekend said something like, don't be surprised if the Browns take him number one. That's a story we're picking up on. And But nobody ever told us anything. And right. We didn't know until John called during their time on the clock in the first round that he was actually the guy. Really? We you know, Usually the first pick, you, they yeah. let you know a little something ahead of time. In the old days, as you know, people yeah, were worried about sign signing the guy. Yeah. You could even have an agreement before right. that. I had 
<clears throat> George Rogers, when I had George, New Orleans was calling me all the time <laughs> because they were trying to decide between him and Lawrence Taylor. Right. And 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 George went first and Lawrence went second. And, and so we really can't say that we had the inside word that it was was going to happen. But I just think the momentum was building and for some reason, I don't know if it's leadership or confidence, which he's got a lot of both. Mm-hmm. Every time he had an interview, it was like, wow, man. Even when he was here in Denver, he visited, I think, seven teams. Seven, yeah, he had seven visits. And the, the stuff we got back, we didn't ever talk to the Broncos after that, but we talked to their uh, one of their media guys. Yeah. And, and he just said, they're sold. They said that interview really sold them. And so whatever he was saying, it was going over really, really well. So day of the draft, are you guys expecting the Jets at three? Is that where you're looking uh, at? We, we knew that was the bottom line. Hmm. We had another team, which is going to surprise you. Um, another team had said, you may get a big surprise on draft day at number two mm. if he's available. And it was the Patriots. Wow. To get up to number two? And we two? thought, yeah. yeah. They had traded, you know, for they had 23 and they had 31 and they had two seconds. And uh, I don't know. We thought, boy, that's going to be a heck of a move to get up that high from where they are. Right. And of course he wasn't available. So nothing, we never, we never knew if that was a real reality or not. Giants show any interest or they were definitely not, uh, not to take he, he visited them. Yeah. He visited them, but we never thought they were going to take a quarterback. We thought, we thought they were going to trade down. Yeah. We, we kept hearing Buffalo was going to try to trade into their pick. Right. I don't know if you heard that. Because we knew they wanted a quarterback. Right. Obviously. They were coming up for somebody. I thought I yeah, heard it was Josh Allen, but maybe they like Baker, yeah, they, too. Yeah, they were. Yeah. That was the other thing, because, you know, the Rosen and Allen were being talked about so much mm-hmm. in the top three or four, top two or three, that it was still hard to figure if Baker was one or two. It was still hard to to determine that. Really an amazing story that, as you talked about when he met Stoops, he walked on two programs yeah, right? as a walk-on. Yeah. yeah. He's the number one pick yeah. in the draft. Yeah. Heisman Trophy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what was Texas Tech thinking? Not to give him a scholarship. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like, how does that make them look? Because I think he started as a freshman. And then I think he got hurt, and somebody else came in after he got hurt. And then he said, I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm out. Well, let me ask you this. When you you hear from the Jets and you hear from the Broncos people or or through the media guy and, and of course, the the Browns and maybe others, what— I know it's you know it's hard for you to be unbiased as his agent, but what is it? I mean, is it obviously on field and off field combined? But it seems like people think that Baker has that it 
you know, that two, mm-hmm. two letter mm-hmm. word, mm-hmm. it. And can yeah. you describe it? Can you tell me what you're hearing about him? What is that thing that makes him attractive to teams? Well, that word was used to me by Vance Joseph when he was coaching him in the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. I was talking to him in the hotel lobby and I mean, he'd been there for what, two practices, I think. Right. And, and Vance was using that. He's got it, Jack. He said, he's got it. He's what we're looking for. I, I just, and I heard it from the coaches at OU and I heard it from a couple of players. Uh, they just said he's special. You know, he really is a leader and I don't know. I, I can't tell you that we have seen it just based on he's been great for us to work with. And, you know, we had to overcome some of the, we were trying to overcome some of the comparisons to Johnny Manziel and all that right. kind of stuff. And we got that based on our knowledge of him, that was like the furthest thing from our mind that people should be thinking. Right. It was like, if you're worried about that, you're worried about the wrong thing. You're going to be real disappointed if that is what caused you to judge him a certain way. But, um, I, I just think it's a confidence. Uh, I, I don't know. He just, he's done it everywhere he's been. He's done it. He's, you know, people worry about his height and, and yet you, don't see that it's ever been an issue up to this point. Mm-hmm. And it hadn't been with a couple of other guys in the league like Wilson and Drew Brees. Um, but you know how, you know how scouts get, they get these artificial measurement things in their mind that you have to comply to. But I don't know. I, I can't really say that we would have known just based on our relationship with him and, and, you know, we haven't been with him all that much because right. from January the 15th, we were with him at the Senior Bowl. And we saw him briefly at the Combine, but he had, he was, golly, he was doing interviews, it seemed like, the whole time right. at the Combine that he wasn't working out. Uh, and then we were down there for the for the draft. We haven't really spent that much just social time with him where, where we just were just passing the time of day there's been almost none of that so the draft he's where he was in uh where norman where he was, was at his home no he was at his home in austin Texas. in austin right and yeah. uh and you yeah, were there we were there we were there there he, he didn't want to go to the draft yeah uh, i thought it'd be fun the league pressure you did, big show the league pressure you to sell that a little harder um they talked to the marketing people uh they mm-hmm. didn't talk to us okay. i was surprised they didn't talk to us but i didn't care uh, but and you know there were monetary considerations about he was could have made some appearances for money there yeah. um but he just said you know i just want to be home i want to be with friends my coaches uh my family and there were probably 40 people there at their house and he did and not know he did not know until that call did not know until on the that clock. Call. Wow! Did not know until that phone call. None of you. We were just we were just standing there, you know, an hour before the draft started, still speculating about who we heard from, who we didn't hear from, and, and just trying to read the signals. And I, but 
I, I think John Dorsey was, and again, I haven't, still haven't talked to him, mm-hmm. but I think he was trying to keep everything in suspense until the last minute just to see what people were going to offer him for that pick. Mm-hmm. And because, and, you know, from being in, on the management side, um, everything's determined by what's left if you're going to trade up or trade right. down, uh, depending on what you thought you were going to be able to do. Right. And so I think he just wanted to keep everybody guessing because there was so much focus on those four guys, those four quarterbacks. Right. There's just so much. And, like, you know, he's going to take a quarterback one and he's going to get Barkley at four because they thought, well, the next two guys are going to be quarterbacks. Right. And the Giants messed that up, you know. Right. And then Denver, I don't think Denver thought they were going to get this uh, guy that they got. I right, think that, right. Uh, I think that the Browns surprised everybody with the fourth pick. Sure, of course. Don't you? Yeah, I mean, I everyone thought they... Chubb would go there. If not Barkley, he was gone, and then Denver yeah, would take a yeah. quarterback. But that yeah. changed. And I, I applaud yeah. Denver for not panicking on a quarterback. They, Like you said, yeah, they, they didn't. Signed Keenum for all that money, and they got the number one from a couple of years ago in Lynch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, He's still there, and so we'll see. So going forward, you know, like we've talked about a couple of times, it's pre-negotiated roughly thirty-two million over the next four years, fully guaranteed. Yeah, we're saying we're hearing like thirty-three, maybe, hmm. uh, with twenty-two and bonus, something along those lines. So I mean, what can you do? Tell us what can you do on that deal? Well, where can you make I'm not a difference? Sure. Okay. I'm not sure. We're going to talk to the union, of course, and see, <clears throat> you know, because they, they want you to clear everything with them anyway. But uh, we want to see if there's any special thing that we can do, because uh, I don't want to miss, you right. know, on something we should, we should have done. I, I guess you may argue about... Uh, how the money is going to be paid. Right, sure. Uh, I know, remember a couple of years ago, Bosa held out in San Diego? Right, because it was and the apparently, uh, bonus. And apparently they were arguing about offset language. Right. Like uh, the contract's guaranteed if you get cut and somebody else picks you up, are you going to have to offset? Right. Well, I thought, are you really holding out for that? I mean, this guy is not going to be cut. So how important is that language? Uh, But maybe that's something that they encourage you to, uh, to work on. Yeah. It's precedent, you know, precedent on both sides. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the teams want to protect that for their next guy and for their veterans. Right. And the the union and the agents want to get it so they can sell it to their next crop. Right. Right. But yeah. the other thing, and then you bring up Bosa, he was arguing about two things. One was the offset. The other was the payout of the bonus. Yeah, and when he I got paid. Yeah, I don't know how the Browns are going to feel about a lot of deferrals, and that's something you can work on, I'm sure. Yeah, and I that's, yeah, that, that again, that's probably one of the things that will be discussed. Yeah. That'll be maybe, you know, uh, argued about, or I, I just don't know what they're, cash situation is like or how they're how they want to pay it out or you know what's the best it, it to me it's not a big deal if you don't get the whole thing yeah 
right now. Uh, you know, some if they want to wait. You know how that goes. They want to the next year when their first installment on their TV money comes in. That right, kind of thing. right. So well, we'll see when we get there. We haven't had any inkling of anything at this point. One last thing is, since January 15th, have you had any worry? Because I know, <laughs> personally, how cutthroat this business is, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the bigger firms still nipping at his heels, still trying to recruit him. And yeah. any concern about that or uh, well, or inkling of that? You always think about that. I agree with you. Obviously, you're always looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Uh, we we I, these people were so straight about everything they did. I I would be let, let's put it this way. I did not worry about them changing their mind. Now that doesn't mean somebody wouldn't have tried it, but I I, I just think the dad, for example, is just he's a he's a good businessman, and I he just was. He, I know he left it up <clears throat> to Baker, but I just thought anybody that had really spent any time with them would have thought it was a waste of time, and and maybe we shouldn't try this. Uh, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I never did doubt them. Um, you know, for obviously we all have to sign that agreement now, or it's not not recognized by anybody, but so many of the early years when I was in the business, I never had anything in writing Yeah, and, and I never got burned and I probably should have, but I didn't. Um, but now with so many agents, of course, in the early days, there were so few agents. Now, uh, you and I both know who we'd be talking about. There's always people trying to steal your veteran clients. Right. Um, and so I, I will always be alert for that and and be, you know, making sure that he's happy with what we're doing. <laughs> but that was something that I don't blame you for asking that question because uh, it happened so quick and he was just so, let's do it. It was like, wow, is he, I mean, <laughs> he just met us tonight. Uh, <laughs> that was amazing. Gonna, you know? <clears throat> and... uh and uh, the same thing happened with me. I don't know if you want to hear this, but yeah. same thing happened to me with Eric Dickerson. Yeah. Back when Dickerson, I got Dickerson, I got a call from Billy Kilmer and Jake Scott. And uh, they were both on the Redskins right. at that time. Jake had gone from Miami to the Redskins. And they said, would you want to represent Eric Dickerson? And I said, well, yeah, but what's, <laughs> what's the deal? I what's mean, this was like, this was like, you know, this was after the season. And they said, no, he said, we know this guy in Dallas that that uh, George Owen, that Eric really relies on, and his, it's his advisor and all that. And so <clears throat> I go to Dallas. This guy picks me up at the, at the airport. We go to the Bentry Country Club for lunch. And we're just, we're just, I'd, I'd seen Eric for maybe, 30 minutes to an hour. And uh, George looked over at Eric and said, uh, what do you think, uh, Eric? Mr. Mills look okay? He said, yeah, it looks good to me. <laughs> looks fine, Mr. Owen. And uh, that was it. 
<laughs> and I, I mean, you know, you're in the business. You know how unusual that is. Oh my god! And so, and it was it was nice, but <laughs> it was just like it was just like, wow, is this happening? Right. Because you can imagine all the guys that had been trying to sign him. They had offered him everything under the sun, and uh, and Eric, he was. He was great. I didn't, I didn't retain him for his whole career, unfortunately. But I went to his Hall of Fame dedication, I mean uh, induction, and uh, he invited me to that. And we're good friends today. But that was just, it was just, you know, one of those otherworldly experiences yeah. that you may have in this business sometimes. Yeah, and as you know, I started my career working for super agent, basketball agent David Falk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we represented John Thompson down the road in Washington, D.C. And I said, you're talking about Eric, same situation. Every now and then, you know, a Patrick Ewing or Alonzo Mourning or Allen Iverson would show up at the office. And he'd and we'd say, hey, can we help you? <laughs> and they'd say, they'd say, well, uh, coach said to come over and sign some papers. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like... You mean like to be your agent? Yeah, 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 agent. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and there, you know, there's like hundreds of agents after these guys, and oh, they yeah. just sort of. Oh yeah. So when oh, John yeah. when John got questioned about that, as he did, of course, uh, sure. He, I remember his line. He goes, "Listen, I tell him to go to my dentist too. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> okay, you know, I was. I tell him to go to my lawyer, right? and I tell him to go to my dentist. So what's your problem? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I, no special treatment here. Yeah. So <laughs> good. some of that, That's maybe, good. maybe less of that goes on, but obviously, you know, you were pre-qualified with Baker and players are pre-qualified. Agents are pre-qualified due to their old clients, due to their current yeah. clients. Yeah. Happens all the time. Maybe not to the extent we just talked about. Yeah. I just, I, I think over the years as, we've gotten further along in this business. I've been a little disappointed that there wasn't more of the just referral type stuff, you know, where guys say, I'm going with you because my teammate recommended you, which to me has always been, to me, that's the most important recommendation we can have Mm -hmm. or not have. Um, And guys are just like, I just think thought guys would rely more on that, and I think in recent years I've seen less and less referral than I used to see. Yeah. Where especially with veterans, where we get a lot of veterans just because their teammate referred them, and and the first and maybe they'd had another agent, and I'd say, well, what happened to you and your other agent? They say, well, he didn't return my phone calls. Mm. And I thought, he didn't return your phone calls? No. I thought, well, how basic is that? I mean, it's just <laughs> right. just amazing, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay, we do that. We return calls. Yeah. Although when I was with the Packers, I, sometimes I'd have a player come up to me and say, you know, I switched agents. And sometimes it would be a player that wanted a new deal and we weren't in the in the mood to give him one. And I would say, I would be very honest. I'm like, well, what do you think this agent's going to do for you that the old one didn't? Well, give me a new deal. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's not going to happen. So yep. if you're doing it because of that, now, if you got other reasons, that's cool. But 
So sometimes you got to, you know, get some yeah. reality checks with, with players switching. Exactly. No, but in, in, and quite frankly, that's the come on that a lot of guys use. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your agent's not tough enough. He's, he's not, he's not taking a hard line. He should be holding you out. You shouldn't be going to training camp without a new contract, all that kind of stuff. The worst is and, the Pro Bowl. When they come back from the Pro Bowl, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got yeah, all the a ideas. Lot of, a lot of free advice has been passed out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. I know. That's exactly right. Well, Jack, we could talk all day. Oh, uh, we could. Tell me what the, you know, you're, is am I right? You're 80 years old right now? I'm 80 now. How long you can yeah, do this? Yeah, is, Tom is 50 and I'm 80. Yeah. I... You know, I enjoy, I, I'm not the retiring type. Mm-hmm. I like to play golf, but not every day. And um, I just enjoy, I still enjoy the um, uh, the relationships mm-hmm. and uh, just being involved. And uh, I realistically, if Tom wasn't here, I probably wouldn't be here. Right. I can't imagine I could do this by myself right now. How many clients but, do you guys uh, have? I would have to check and see. We had three guys drafted in this draft. I think we've got about uh, 15 or so, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that, you know, which is a very easy workload for three guys. Right. And, um, but, um, and you don't, you know this, you don't need as many as you used to need just to make it work. Right. Because the the money's so much bigger now. And when will but, you get uh, at it with the uh, with the Browns? You don't even know their amounts yet, right? Don't know the amounts yet. No, I don't know if they've been determined or yeah. not. If they have, they hadn't told us. Yeah. But I I would guess um, sometime within the next three or four weeks. I would guess that mm-hmm. they'll be going back for their. Uh, I'm guessing they'll have those guys in for a mini camp this week. I think they do have it this week. And then they go back as soon as everybody's classes graduated or school's out, however they work that now, uh, for probably most of the month of June. Right. And then they'll be off until training camp. Right. But I, I would think, I would think signings will be essentially done by the middle of June. I don't know that, but I'm guessing yep. if people want to sign, they can sign. Right. No, yeah. I think, I mean, we back in the day, the, you know, back in the day, we'd oh, wait till training. Holdouts. And I would Nobody try to would get them done in the summer and no one, and no one would talk to me. But well, everybody's <laughs> afraid they're going to be low. You know, right. they don't want to be first or they don't want to be before the guy in front of them signed right. or all that stuff. But it's not that game anymore. Right. It'd make your job a lot easier if you were doing the contracts now for, yeah, for the club. Have a real vacation. Maybe not the veterans, but the, <laughs> the rookies are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much, thanks. Jack. I'm so Heck proud. Yeah, I'm so it. happy that you, you got this number one. It's a great story how you got them. And call it, what is it, the Big Red O? The Big Red O was the uh, <laughs> Mexican restaurant, yeah. I'll definitely go back there if I go to, to L.A. I'll put that in the show notes, the big red O. Yeah, do it. (laughs) Okay. Thanks so much. (laughs) Okay, good talking to you, Andrew. Congrats to you. Take care, Jack. Bye-bye. And now the part of the podcast where I answer your questions. You can leave a voicemail. Again, the number 484-416-5654. 484-416-5654. 
416-565-4. I'll answer your questions. We have a couple today to answer. The first is from uh, Mr. Andrew Brandt. Grew up in Chester County, Pennsylvania, just uh, down the road from where you are now, and now I'm living out in Seattle. So, huge fan of listening to every podcast. I have a question for you, and maybe this will shed some light into the way I think, but um, I can't, I'm, I'm not a cheater, I promise you. What prevents teams from compensating players outside of the contract in order to sweeten their deal? And, and the reason why I, I think of this is because of the whole situation with the Tom Brady and uh, TB12 thing. I mean, you know, it, it popped into my mind that perhaps um, the Patriots, you know, can pay him that way so they don't have to pay him as much, you know, under uh, under the actual contract. So just curious, something I've always wondered and figured I'd ask you about. Enjoy your show. Hope to hear from you. Thank you. That's a great question. And again, I didn't have a name. He just started talking. So no name, but great question. Listen, I get asked this all the time, especially when it comes up with Brady. Is there any way that you can pay players outside the cap? Well, you can, but you get in big trouble. And violation of salary cap compliance could cost the team fines and or draft picks. It's a big deal. Teams are vigilant. I'm sorry, the league is vigilant in enforcing the salary cap. It is the pillar of competitive balance in the NFL, so how can you go around it? You can't. What you can give players are two things, cash. That's it. I'm sorry, one thing. You can give them cash through the contract. You know, back in the day before the cap, there were, you know, leases on automobiles and apartments, you know, when sports was just starting up. But now it's very compliant and cap compliance is a big deal. Now, in relation to Brady, I get asked this all the time. He consistently takes undervalued contracts. Why? We don't know. I think the answers are ridiculous when you hear things like he wants to help out the team, make the team better. Listen, the Patriots never pay above the cap. The Patriots can pay him more. The Patriots have plenty of cap room. Uh, It's not his job to be management. It's his job to be a player. So, And then the idea of Giselle and his wife makes so much money, he doesn't need to make a lot of money as if he would negotiate completely differently with another wife. I don't get that. So why does he? We don't know. As to insinuations that he takes less because he gets uh, money elsewhere, he gets it through his trainer, Guerrero, there's some kind of deal worked out. You know, I think that would be very kind of uh, rampant speculation. We haven't seen evidence of that. But if we do, obviously, it would be a major problem with the NFL. Now, the NFL and the Patriots have their history. But we can only surmise that Tom Brady consistently takes way under market value, not only for top quarterbacks, but we consider him, if not the, one of the top two or three top quarterbacks, where these guys are making 28 to $30 million a year, and he's making, I don't know, 15 to $17 million a year. Why he does it, we'll never know. But again, to be clear on this point, the teams cannot pay outside the cap. They can't pay into your business. They can't promise things. They can't have side deals. They can't give you a piece of the team later in a side deal, a wink-wink. You just can't. So I just want to be clear on that. People ask it all the time, and it is a good question. Our next question comes from Eric. Hey, Andrew. This is Eric McClung, a longtime listener of the podcast. Uh, with the draft concluding, I had a question about undrafted uh, players. It seems like a lot of these guys are signing right away, so curious if you have any sort of behind-the-scenes stories uh, from your past days or uh, maybe just give us a little bit more information, uh, kind of what goes on uh, with getting those players and signing them so 
quickly. Also, it seems like teams tend to lean to, uh, and grab some local kids as well. So, uh, just uh, interested to uh, to hear more information about uh, how these teams uh, seem to scramble at the end and, and uh, sign these undrafted players. Hope to uh, hear my question answered. Thank you. Yeah, Eric, you will hear your question answered, and I appreciate the question. As I've talked about and written about, the period after the draft is the busiest of the weekend. When you talk about what goes on during the draft, the focus is so much on the top, but it's really the bottom where so much happens. Within an hour after the draft, there are maybe 10 to 15 players per team signed. These are undrafted players. It's recruiting. It's selling. It's a frenzy. It's where teams are on the phone with two or three agents and or players without agents, Agents are on the phone with two or three teams. They have to make career-defining decisions within minutes, if not seconds. So preparation comes in. Agents map out where the best spots are, who didn't draft what, what opportunities are. Each team tries to sell the fact they've had undrafted players do well in the past. You know, whatever it is, they sell the best undrafted stories they have. And it's this big mash mosh pit at the end of the draft. I used to try to manage it in Green Bay you know, we had all these GMs, John Dorsey and Reggie McKenzie and John Schneider, and I would try to corral the money because we were limited on how much we could give out. That would all go towards our rookie pool. We had to pay the drafted players, etc. So it is this frenzied, and it's always been like that. I don't know how we can change it. Three quick stories. I've told them. I tweeted them during the weekend. Save the best for last. The first, I remember signing a guy, gave him a bonus, agreed to terms. He didn't have an agent. Then I look on the uh, the list of, by other teams. He's on another list. And then he's on another list. I think he was on our list, the Eagles, the Cardinals. And I finally called the guy. I said, wait a minute. You're on three lists. He goes, I thought I could. I thought I could sign with three or agree with three and then sign, pick one later. I'm like, no, you pick now. Pick the Cardinals. He lasted about a week. <laughs> the other story is in the frenzy after the 2003 draft. Uh, some scout in the room about an undrafted player just yells out, hey, anyone want to sign this quarterback from Eastern Illinois called Tony Romo? He's from Wisconsin. Crickets. Not a word was spoken. (laughs) So that's the end of that. And my favorite story about an undrafted player, one that I'll carry to my grave, one of the greatest stories, I tweeted it out, I've got 30,000 likes about this, is this. I once had a player who didn't have an agent. I couldn't give him much, but I just said, listen, We can do a deal for a $500 bonus. And his words to me, I kid you not, real story. Well, I only have about 100 now, but I can get the rest when I come in there next week. And I said, no, no, we pay you. (laughs) I always had a soft spot for that guy. Uh, He never made it. He tried. You know, he lasted a couple weeks in camp. But anyway, that's one of the great stories of all time. So that's the undrafted frenzy. Thought I'd give you some insight into that. Again, anytime you want to call, leave a voicemail, I'll answer it on the podcast. Four one I'm sorry, four eight four four one six five six five four. Really hope you enjoyed that podcast with Jack Mills. Some really great stuff. Especially the Patriots, that surprise team trying to get in position somehow, some way. I don't know how they're gonna do it. Go they had twenty three and thirty one, but to get to number two, I just don't know what they were thinking. But clearly enamored as as it sounded like uh, with Mayfield, as were the Jets, as were the Broncos, and of course the Browns taking him at the top spot in the draft. Really hope you enjoyed it. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Listen to the podcast on iTunes. Give us a good rating if you would on Stitcher. Tune in wherever you hear your podcast, RossTucker.com, Podcast One. And I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. 
Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.